You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Do Not Judge One Another, is part seven in the series Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. And I want to ask you to please find in your Bible Romans chapter 14. The book of Romans and chapter 14 is going to be our text this morning. You know, I've been preaching for about six weeks now uh, on this idea of community. Community meaning that network of uh, relationships in the family of God with your brothers and sisters in Christ that really provides that uh, love and support, that sense of belonging that we feel here. It's so important. Every Christian needs that. And uh, so the secret of community is that if you will treat other people in the way that you want to be treated, you're going to find yourself surrounded by that sense of community and all of those relationships that are so important. Uh, Now, we've been talking about how that community is built with the building blocks God has given us in his word called the one another's of the New Testament. There are 59 of these commands that are addressed for us to do to one another or for one another. And uh, we've looked at several of them already. Love one another. We've talked about serve one another. Last week, even greet one another with a, a holy kiss. That was kind of crazy. But before we look at another one of the one another's today from Romans 14, uh, I want to take just a quick step back and make sure that you understand the why behind what we're talking about. Why are we going to end up spending nearly 20% of the Sundays of 2023 talking about how we treat each other? Uh, If we're spending that much time, there has to be a good reason. I I believe there really is. And it really comes down to uh, the mission and the values of our church. Can I just remind you and show you our mission statement? This is what we are all about here at First Baptist Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make disciples uh, here in our community and as far as God will let us go uh, by helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. It's all about taking people where they are and no matter what their need might be, helping them move from that point of need to find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's what we do. Now, uh, the why behind that is what we call our values. Uh, These are the convictions that we share together. This is the motivational fire in our church. This is a heart of who we are. And there are many things that we value as a church, but, but we've nailed down five of them that most deeply motivate us to do what we do as a church. And you see it on the screen. It's giving generously of your, your time and your tithes and your talents. Uh, it's serving together. Uh, we found that it's more fun and it's more effective when we serve the Lord together to meet some need that will open a door for the gospel. Uh, Then teaching truth, this is of utmost importance to our church, uh, that we, we open God's word, we teach the truth of God's word, that really changes lives. 
And, uh, and that is the, the last one, changed lives. That's something that we can't do, but we take care of the other things and we trust that God will allow us to see lives changed by the gospel of Christ. That is, that's our, our favorite thing. But at the top of the list is this idea of building relationships. It means so much to us that, that we, we have healthy, grace-filled relationships here in this church. That, that's what this church is made of. And it seems that that was one of the key values in the early church. Acts 4.32 says that those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Uh, those people loved each other. They were concerned about each other's welfare in the family of God. And, and the quality, listen to this, the quality of their love and of their relationships with each other, that's one of the things that drew people to them and, and, and it was really fulfilled what Jesus said. He said to his disciples, they will know that you're my disciples because you love one another. And, and what we want is to be more and more like that. We strive to get back to that. And so that's why we're spending nine Sundays just leaning into that value of building relationships. And today I want to continue with the one another that's found in Romans 14 and verse 13. So uh, it's a negative command. You know what I mean by that? Out of the 59 one another commands in the Bible, only a few are stated in the negative. Uh, in other words, these are things you're not to do to each other. Uh, because it, it'll work against unity. It will tear down what... God really wants us to build up. And uh, so uh, among them are don't lie to each other, don't slander one another, don't grumble against one another. And today, I'm going to read one and talk about one that's going to require all of us to really think. All right? You can't cruise for, through this sermon. you got to stay with me and really think about it uh, because this one is do not judge one another. Now, Paul wrote these words to the church at Rome, but I, I really think that the church at Sevierville needs to hear them just as much as the church at Rome did. And so let's read it uh, in the context and jump in at verse 10. All right. Romans 14, verse 10. The Bible says, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Now, that word contempt, by the way, means to totally despise another person. It, it means to think of them as nothing. All right? So it says, why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Nobody else, just to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So, uh, 
the issue that Paul was addressing with the church at Rome was the fact that in that church, uh, it, it was made up of Christians with different backgrounds. Uh, the biggest difference was between those who had a Jewish background and those who were not Jewish but had a Gentile background. And besides that, mix in the fact that in that one church were people at all different stages of spiritual maturity. Uh, there were some there in that church at Rome who'd been saved for several years. They were further down the road of their discipleship and they were stronger in their faith. But there were others in that same church who were newer Christians. They didn't have much knowledge of the scripture. They lacked experience in following Jesus, and their faith had not yet been tested by adversity. They were growing, but they were still weaker. And really, a healthy church always looks like that, right? It's always a mix of people who are being saved, those who are newer in the faith, and then those who have been Christians for decades, and it's their responsibility to reach out to those who are new and help them along and to disciple them. Every healthy church looks sort of like that. But the issue in Rome is the fact that these weaker Christians were not being accepted by the stronger ones who were not willing to receive them into their fellowship and to treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead, they were fighting with each other and passing judgment on each other. If you look back at the first verse of the chapter, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. And so Paul is saying, look, this has to stop. Receive each other. Quit fighting. And he says, uh, I know you're fighting about these disputes over doubtful things. And what that means is uh, th this, there were arguments in that church that were causing division and, and Paul called them doubtful issues. Uh, that is, these were issues where there's really no clear direction in Scripture. Uh, and so you just have to use your wisdom as a Christian to deal with these and to choose what you're going to do about it. It's a matter of your conscience as a Christian. And believe me, in an imperfect church like the one at Rome and the one here in Sevierville that's full of recovering sinners, uh, they just didn't agree on everything. On those doubtful issues, they, they didn't agree. Now, let me give you a for instance that's mentioned right here in this chapter. One issue was that these Jews who had been raised all their lives to keep the Sabbath day laws and to celebrate all the Jewish feasts, well, they got saved. And once they were saved, they saw these Gentile background Christians in the same church not observing those days. And they were offended by that. And their attitude was, how can you Gentile background Christians say that you are Christians at all when you ignore what the law of Moses says? What? You ignore God's word. How can you even say you're a Christian at all? They were offended. And then when the Gentile background Christians saw the Jewish background Christians observing these special days and being really strict about it, they judged them to be immature 
And they said, are you even saved? Do you even know what the gospel is about? Because Christ has fulfilled all of that stuff that you're so uptight about. You're not trusting in Christ alone. You don't need anything else but Jesus. Are you even saved? And and so they, they were fighting about this. Another issue that's mentioned in chapter 14 was the dispute about what Christians should and should not eat. I'm not talking about carbs and calories, but the issue was these Jewish Christians were raised with the the strict kosher guidelines as to what they ate. And Gentile Christians were eating non-kosher meats like pork, and so the Jewish background Christians were highly offended. And to make it worse, they knew that what some of these Gentiles were eating was meat that was processed by somebody who first offered it to some false idol, another god. And, uh, and so they looked down on the Gentiles for eating that. Meanwhile, these Gentile background Christians offered their food to share it with their Jewish background Christian friends, and they refused to eat it. And so now they're offended, and the Gentile Christians had a hard time with it, and, and, and their attitude was, you Jewish Christians always think you're better than everybody else because you don't eat something. You're, you think you're superior to us because you're not eating what we're eating, and, and, uh, and we don't like you anymore. So they were fighting about that. Now, we have not the same issues today, but we have issues that have the same effect, things that the Bible is not adamant about, things that sometimes we, we disagree about, and we end up passing judgment on each other. Uh, I remember how this came out during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, some Christians were saying, hey man, faith over fear, faith over fear. And you can back that up with scripture. But other sincere Christians were saying, well, why don't we just be as careful as possible? And you had people judging those who were wearing masks and judging those who were getting shots and judging those who weren't. And, and uh, meanwhile, this is, COVID is not even mentioned in the Bible. You know that, right? And yet there was, there was fighting about that. Remember that? I, I've also, in my ministry, uh, in this church and others, seen disputes in the church over things like styles of music in worship. Where, where you've got some people who like uh, newer music and, and you've got others who like older music and, and the folks who like newer music may look down on the ones who like the older music and say, you need to get with the times, that's boring. And people who like the older music say, no, you're, you're appropriating worldly music into the church and it doesn't belong. And it's not a right or wrong thing, it's just a difference of preference and opinion. Um, I've seen this also many times with the issue of drinking alcohol. And I really even hesitate to use that example because it's a very sensitive subject for many people. Uh, So much so that some of you will probably walk out of here today and think that I preached this whole sermon about alcohol, while others of you will walk out saying, Pastor Dan judged me. And so don't do that. All right, it's just an example. You need to know, I think, my personal conviction about that issue. I think that 
The Bible is clear that it is unwise for a Christian to mess around with alcohol. However, there is not a Bible verse that explicitly states that it's always forbidden. And so in the church, here's how it sometimes goes. One Christian may say, hey man, I'm strong enough in my faith to drink a little and still retain my self-control and not get drunk and not do anything ungodly. And yet another Christian says, wait a minute, I was saved out of a, a background and a lifestyle of partying and alcohol. I still battle it. And so it hurts me that you would do that in front of me and do it at all. You're not a good example of a Christian. See how that works? And then the retort from the other side is often, well, how can you be so weak and immature about that issue? You need to grow up. And, and we end up judging each other. And isn't it interesting that in this passage of Scripture, the answer God gave through Paul to write down as an answer to all these disputes over doubtful things was do not judge one another anymore. Interesting, isn't it? That that's the answer God gave. He, he, didn't, he didn't remove our responsibility to pray through it and to talk through it and to trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives and to search the Scripture and, and, and walk through these issues together. He didn't take away our responsibility to do that. But he said, do not judge one another anymore. And of course, that's just an echo of what Jesus taught in the beginning. In Matthew 7, 1, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, do not judge so that you will not be judged. This is probably the, the quote from Jesus that is most often quoted by people who aren't even Christians. Don't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge me. And many of them use it as a shield and as kind of a, a mic drop comment that ends the discussion because they think it means you can't ever say anything about in disagreement with what I'm doing. You can't ever disapprove of anything I do. You can't ever tell me I'm wrong. But that's really not what it means. Jesus expects us to use a form of judgment called discernment to judge between good and bad. And Jesus tells us to beware of false prophets, meaning that we have to judge their character and their claims as being trustworthy or not. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.15 that a mature Christian judges all things. In other words, we know how to evaluate and choose between what is good and what is not. That's a kind of judgment. And we know that Jesus said, judge not, when he said that, he didn't mean we can't proclaim the truth of Scripture that's clear. He didn't mean we can't apply the Word of God to make sense of the world around us. He, he didn't mean that we have to endorse and approve every kind of behavior. He did not mean we can't call a sin a sin. And so what did Jesus mean when he said, do not judge? And what did Paul mean when he said, do not judge one another anymore? 
And how is that supposed to stop the arguing and bring unity between us? Let me try to answer that with uh, some realizations about judging some, some things that I'm learning from this passage. Okay, three realizations about judging. The first one is this. We have to realize, based on this passage, I am not qualified to sit in Christ's judgment seat. Back at verse 10, Paul said, But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. One day, we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not the judgment seat of me, not the judgment seat of you, but the judgment seat of Christ. It's His. And I am not qualified to sit there uh, because I don't have His wisdom. I don't know what Christ knows. I don't know the backstory. I don't see what He sees. Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. I don't have that ability. I don't see everything exactly for what it is. I don't have that perfect vision that Christ has. In fact, I have a tendency to make snap judgments and to judge based on appearance. And to, to too quickly sum up what a person is all about and condemn them based on my very limited knowledge. And, and so oftentimes I'm wrong. I'll tell you about uh, something that happened in the church I pastored in Georgia. Very embarrassing to me. Uh, the situation was a Sunday morning. I'm up preaching like this for several weeks. I'd noticed people just coming in late. I mean, they missed all the singing. I mean, they, they're coming in to worship after, after I'm already preaching. And one family came in and it just kind of hit me wrong. And so I said something, man. I, I said, look, you, you guys, you can make it to the ball game on time. You can make it to work on time. Get your kids to school on time, but you can't come to church on time. And uh, after the service, that last family that came in so late, they came up to me, they were new, and they said, Pastor, we're so sorry we came in late today. We heard what you said, but our special needs son had an accident on the way out the door. And uh, we just thought, we're going to be so late, we, we might as well not go. But then we just decided it's important for our neighbors to see us pulling out of the driveway and going to church. It says something about what we think of the Lord. And so we decided, even though we're going to be late, we're going to go on anyway. Mm. That's what can happen when I try to sit in Christ's judgment seat. Because I don't have His wisdom, also, I don't have His authority. Only Christ has the authority to say what verse 11 says. Every knee shall bow to me. Only Christ can say that. I can't say that. And he doesn't need my help when he judges. Right? 
I'm not qualified to sit on that judgment seat. A second realization about this text is, is that I must therefore leave the judging to Jesus and then instead focus on extending love and grace to my brothers and sisters in Christ using all of those positive one another's. So, uh, again, I need to look at the world and I need to look at you through the lens of a biblical worldview. And, and I need to use godly wisdom. I need to use discernment. Uh, I need to speak out when it's clear. Uh, we need to have the freedom to lovingly point out to each other the things that are clear in Scripture. And we need to have the freedom to lovingly exhort one another about the things that aren't so clear and help each other along. I need that from you. You need it from me. Uh, so Paul was not saying here, when he says, do not judge one another anymore, he wasn't saying that sin is just a matter of personal opinion. He wasn't saying that as long as you can rationalize it in your own mind, then it's okay. Uh, scripture teaches there are some things that are clearly wrong, clearly sinful, and, and we're safe when we speak out on those things. But here's the deal. I, and we can have strong feelings about the other things, but I can't get away from this command in verse 13 to not judge one another anymore about the things that aren't so clear. One of those, or on those issues, I need to leave the judging to Jesus. And then my job becomes focusing on loving and extending grace to you through all of those positive one another's. Love one another, serve one another, bear with one another, exhort one another, pray for one another, comfort one another. If I'm busy doing all that, then I'm not going to be tempted to exalt myself into Jesus' judgment seat and, and pass judgment on anybody. That's not my job. And, and the third last realization from this text is that I must always think family first. Family first. Look at verse 13 again. And, and look at the family word that's used here. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So Christian love sometimes means regulating what I do, limiting what I do, and denying myself of something so that I won't cause my brother or my sister to trip over my behavior and be discouraged. Just because I have the right to do it doesn't mean it's right to do it. Uh, in the family of God, we don't think me first, we think family first. How is this going to affect my brothers and sisters in Christ who may be newer in their faith, weaker in their faith? In the family of God, what we do is we put the welfare of our Christian family ahead of our own preferences. 
And, and the goal of all this is that we're all united and aligned under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, not causing others to stumble or to feel inferior to us, but instead we're focused on encouraging faithfulness in each other, encouraging growth in each other, encouraging progress in discipleship in one another. And that's the way it is. Let's stand together. And I want us to just take some time to pray about it. All right, let's stand. Let's pray about it together. And as we pray, I, I can't leave this passage without saying this. When, when you're talking about judgment and the Lord Jesus Christ, remember, someday, according to verse 10, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account of our lives to Him. And looking forward to that day and looking toward the day that you die, on that day, all that will matter is your relationship to Christ. And I'm telling you, the, the good news, the beautiful news of the gospel is that Jesus, although He was innocent and holy and pure and sinless, He went to the cross and He took your sins and He took my sins and He took all the sins of the world on Himself. And the reason he did that is to suffer the judgment of his father on the sins that you and I have done. He took the punishment, the judgment that we deserve so that we could walk away forgiven and free and saved forever. It's amazing. So it, it could be that you've never before dealt with that truth of the gospel, that Jesus did that for you. And, and you need in response to turn from your sin and turn in faith to Jesus and trust what he did on the cross to forgive you and to save you. You need to give your life to him. And those of us who have already done that, we know what grace feels like, right? We know what that grace is like to not get what we deserve. And it causes us to say, man, I need to lighten up on everybody else. I, I need to extend some grace here. After all, I've received. When I speak the truth, I need to speak it in love. And I, I, need, to, I need to lighten up on everybody and focus on loving them with the love of Jesus. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who is lost in their sin, that right now they would call on you, Lord Jesus, for salvation. And if that's you, would you just call on Jesus right now? Lord, save me. Save me. Because of what you did on the cross, save me. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have already been saved. Jesus, will you teach us to love like you love? 
Will you help us to not put a stumbling block in the path of a brother or sister in Christ that's going to trip them up or make them feel inferior to us or or to cause them to sin? God, we want to be known as people who encourage each other. Even when we need to correct each other. Even when we have to sacrifice to do it. And so help us, Lord, to live that way so that our church is stronger than ever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.